First Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And our church from the beginning has been very blessed to have the oversight of elders in our government, beginning with Shady Grove Church's elders in Grand Prairie till we got off, got off the ground. And one of the first men we ordained as elder here is Joe Duncan. Joe, could you just stand? That's all I'm going to ask you to do. <laughs> he doesn't want this to be a big deal. But having served here faithfully for 20 years, even before he had the title elder, he has resigned. He's still coming to church here, still going to be serving here, still going to be eldering, but without the official title. So anyway, Joe, we so appreciate you and care about you, and uh, thank you so much for your service. Bless you, sir. Thank you so much. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. But I have not love. I'm nothing. nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps, it keeps no, no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge. It will pass away. For, For we, we know, know in part, part and we prophesy in part. But when perfections come, the imperfection disappears. When, when I, was I was a child, child I talked like, talk like a child. I thought like a child. I respond like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we, we shall see face to face. face. Now, now I, I know, know in part. part. Then, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But the greatest of these is el amor. Turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12, if you will. 12 and as well as chapter 13. Speaking on the subject of love, receiving God's love, and then we moved into loving one another, and then loving the unlovely, talking on the aspects of love. Today we're going to entitle this, Love Ministers. Can we say that? Love Ministers. What is ministry? If it's anything, it is letting love find its destination. Letting love find its destination. When you're quickened in your heart to serve someone, to encourage someone, to reach out to somebody, there's, there's a destiny in your heart for that desire to be fulfilled. And if you'll let that love find its destination, ministry takes place. That's what love is. Love is ministering to one another. And today we're going to look at a little bit of, of truth about marriage and compare that to love. And if you're married, it applies to you. But it applies to all of us. And the aspect of learning how to love and 
Marriage should be a demonstration of how to walk in love. All right. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ. Not tomorrow, not in heaven. Right now, we are Christ's body. Right now, He is our head. Amen? And members individually. The King James Version says members in particular. He is the head. We are all unique. If we were all the same, then most of us would be unnecessary. Amen? And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? What's the answer? Are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that function in Christ's body as the Spirit wills. And so, as He wills, these gifts function, and we don't all have the same function. Who understands that? We're all unique in our functioning. But just because that is true, it doesn't mean we need to just sit back and say, well, I don't have any gifts. No, we have to exercise our faith and our love and let love find its destination. Verse 31 again, but earnestly desire the best gifts. We should want to be apostolic in our ministry. We should want to be prophetic in our ministry. We should want to be miraculous in our ministry. We should want God... To use us. Amen? All right? But here's the more excellent way. The bottom line to it all is love. Verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels that have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now he's connecting to the things he's just said. If I have these spiritual powers happening in my life, And there's no love. It's just a bunch of noise. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, the love we're talking about here is the God kind of love. In the Greek language, there are several words that can be defined as love. There's the word eros, which is the word from which we get the word erotic, meaning sexual love. There's the word phileo, which is, which is the word that's part of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It means brotherly love. Phileo. But then there's agape, which is unconditional, sacrificial love. It's the highest form of love. We miss out on this in our language where 
I love my wife, but I also love Millennium Crunch Bluebell ice cream. I love my children, but I also love a good shine on my shoes. It's, you know, we need more words. And so keep in mind, he is talking about this highest form of love, the love the world doesn't know about, unconditional, sacrificial, unselfish love. So today we're talking about love ministers. The love that ministers is not phileo. The love that ministers is agape, the highest form of love. What is the measure of love? If you read verse 4 through 8 and insert your name everywhere the word love is or where the word love is implied, it'll measure right where you are in your love walk. So first of all, let's just read it. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. And he goes on. So let's put our name there. Let's look at the screen and say your name. We'll read it together. Alan suffers long. Alan is kind. It's starting to sound like you're lying. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It's kind of a good measuring stick to see where you are. If you're married and you need help to see where you are, just ask your spouse. No, I don't want to stir things up. Let's just pray right now. Lord, we see this description of love and we see where we fall short. Give us truth today that will enable us to walk in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I don't want anybody to leave here today having felt like you've been spanked and you resolve to do better. Now, this is, this is about more than resolution. This is about revelation. Amen. I believe the Lord has a word for us today that will help us in our love walk. Love ministers. The word love, I have an acrostic today, begins with listening. If you love someone, you're going to listen to them. Many times as a father, I've been angry with my children. Many times as a friend, I've been angry with a friend because I either jumped to the conclusion, I didn't believe all things that are good, or I didn't listen to the whole story. Listening is key to walking in love. In Luke 6, Jesus said, But I say to you who hear. He's talking to those that know how to listen. And he's going to tell them how to love. You who hear. Love your enemies. If we can just learn to hear our enemies... It'll be easier to love them. It's about, it's about more than just, I'm going to love my enemies. It, no, it's, it's about having a heart. Where is this guy coming from? Why is he such a moron? No, you've, you've crossed the line there. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully 
use you. I do not think it is possible to do this without listening. Listening for the Holy Spirit and listening with your eyes and ears. What is the real problem here? Looking at the big picture from God's perspective helps us to love. Now, of course, I said I was going to speak to married people today. Listening is key to marriage. All right, let's have a little interaction. How about over here in this section? What do you think the caption is to this picture? Help? Anybody? Any other guessers? How about this section? How about here? All right, let's see what she's saying. Can you hear me now? (laughs) Free hamburger for Ralph. All right. Listening is so important if we're going to walk in love. If you won't listen to someone, you're not loving them anyway. So to love your enemies really begins with listening to them. Owing. How does how does the word owe fit into love? I really prayed and 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 sought to listen to the Lord for this. Owing. Romans thirteen eight says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Owing. You know, if we are the kind of person that keeps score and you always make sure everybody's indebted to us. We're not walking in love, are we? But if we look for opportunities to show love as though we are indebted to other people, that enables us to see opportunities to love more more openly. Amen? Owe no one anything. It means we're to pay our bills except to love. In marriage, think of it like this. The person you're married to has given you their life. I mean, you can't put a price on that. I was thinking about this last night, and I felt so indebted to a vet, I went home and did the dishes. (laughs) She said, I do, and she still does. Wow. 33 years later, this is awesome. Think of your friends. Think of your fellow man. Think of your public servants out there laying their lives down for us today, that we can have freedom to worship and not have somebody that needs love come in here and hold us up. Man, they're worthy of our affection and our appreciation. We're indebted to the world to show them God's love. God so loved that He gave We so love that we should give. And if nothing else, we owe God. We're indebted to Him for eternity, and He's commissioned us to show His love to the world, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, tell them the good news. Valuing. Valuing. You cannot love someone without valuing them. What you love, you place a value on. God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. What a demonstration of love. 
I wasn't worth the only begotten Son of God. But He placed that value upon us. You need to let that sink in. You're really loved. God deeply cares about you. To give of Himself beyond belief. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13 says that love thinks no evil. This doesn't quite get the message across. It doesn't think evil. It doesn't think ill of you. It doesn't devalue you in its thoughts. This is, this is the God kind of love. The basic Bible in English says that love takes no account of evil. It doesn't write down what you did wrong. Oh, I'm keeping an account here. Keeping score. The Darby translation says it does not impute evil. It doesn't walk in suspicion and put an estimation of evil upon others. The Good News Bible says it does not keep a record of wrongs. And the message says it doesn't keep score. Love does this because love values others. Beyond their behavior. Even beyond their wicked hearts. This is the love of God that is ours to receive and ours to give. Let me pray again. Lord, Help us to see where we've been walking a valueless life or we've been imparting lesser than values to others, either by comparing ourselves or by pride or our own inferiority or competitiveness. Lord, show us how to value and communicate value to our fellow man and fellow woman. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening, owing, valuing, and empowering. When someone loves you, they enable you to be more than what you are. Now, you know, there is an enabling we want to keep away from, enabling people to be less than what they are, but enabling people to be more than what they are presently, either by our service or our words of encouragement, or our prayers, or our gifts, this is what love is. It's empowering. Romans 5 says that when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were so ungodly, we could not save ourselves. This is the proverbial we, speaking of our fellow man, our forefathers. Could not save themselves, nor their descendants. So in the loins of our forefathers, we were helpless. We needed a Savior, did we not? We needed to be empowered because we were without strength. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. You know, if there's a ship that's going down and there's only so many lifeboats. Let's say you're on a cruise to Cozumel and it hit some 
unforeseen obstacle and water's rushing in the boat and they're filling up the lifeboats. And there's only room so, for so many people to get on the boats and the crew's already long gone. There would be some noble persons that the women and children get on the boat and they would stay with the boat, take their chances. But if Charlie Manson was on that boat, get out of there. I'm taking your place. But the picture of the gospel is God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, not that we're worthy of the offering of God even now, but when we were more unworthy than we are, Christ died for us. We were without strength. We were powerless. We needed a Savior. And He came and did what only He could do because we couldn't do it for ourselves. The sentence of death was upon us. Sin is rebellion against the will of God. And it separates us from God, who is the source of our life. Meaning we only live a physical life. Born into the world and dying and going into the ground and to face our Maker on the day of judgment. No hope. Sentence of death is upon us. But through the offering of Jesus, who came as God and man, He paid the price by receiving death upon Himself and dying upon the cross. So that through faith in Him, spiritually, we can be made alive. And we receive eternal life. That's empowering. What powers, what gifts, what resources, what strengths do you have that the world needs, that your spouse needs, that your children need, that your parents need, that your fellow man needs, that your brother needs, that your sister needs, that only you can give? Well, I got my own, you get your own. That's not, that's not love. It's not walking in love. So love is listening, owing, valuing, and empowering. Helping someone else when they need it. Even though they may not be worthy. This is love. Love ministers. Love helps. Now, in Paul's instructions to husbands, let's keep those four things in mind. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Christ gave himself for the church. He listens to us. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He doesn't owe us anything. We were in debt. But he indebted himself to us. He indentured himself to us as our servant and came and took our place. And he highly values us by giving us his life. And He empowers us by giving us His Holy Spirit. And we are to love our wives like that. You see that? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her, that is, set her apart, and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, speaking the truth in love, 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. This is what he does through the Holy Spirit and through the Word in our lives. Who is a different person than they were ten years ago? Jesus has been washing us with his word and with the conviction of his spirit, making us into something we were not before. Getting rid of spots and wrinkles from our life. But that she should be holy and without blemish. This is what Jesus does for the church. He's making us holy. We can't make ourselves holy. He makes us holy. Sets us apart. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It comes back to you, brothers. For no one ever hated his own flesh, verse 29, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Not someone else's wife. His own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. The lighthouse that has the most effect is blinding on the island on which it stands. And if we are to walk in love that the world does not have and that the world desperately needs, our homes have to be palaces of love. You see that? Let's pray again. Lord Jesus, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts and that you show us what to do, where to make changes. Lord, may we not beat ourselves up, but Lord, may we lean upon you, thanking you, Lord, for taking the beating for us upon the cross. Lord, may your word wash us and cleanse us even now in Jesus' name to make us spouses of love, brothers and sisters of love, people of love. Lord, may love find its destination through us as we exercise and walk in the love that ministers. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the wedding of Phoebe Sagman and Jeffrey Mark Adams. Can we give them a hand as the wedding party comes to the front? Dearly beloved, we're assembled here in the presence of God in this company of loved ones and brothers and sisters and fellow church members to join this man, Mr. Jeffrey Mark Adams, and this woman, Miss Phoebe Sagman, in the bonds of holy matrimony. The scriptures challenge us with the sacredness of marriage and set forth the love of Christ for his church as an example of deepest devotion. The Master Himself shared in the joys of marriage when He performed His first miracle at that wedding in Cana, where He turned 
between 120 and 180 gallons of water into wine. I say he made 150 gallons of wine, and it was good stuff. Human history as we know it began with a wedding. When the first man looked at the first woman and said, This is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman. And human history as we know it will result in a wedding when the church is joined with the groom in that great day at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We've read 1 Corinthians 13, which is an ideal passage for marital love. A union setting forth such an ideal is not to be entered into hastily or without due consideration, but reverently, discreetly, advisedly, and in the fear of our Heavenly Father. You want to do this? Lord Jesus, we ask you for a miracle here at this wedding today. Not in turning water into wine, but making a man and a woman one. Turning two into one. We ask you to do that, Lord Jesus. Amen. Mr. Jeffrey Mark Adams, do you take this woman, Miss Phoebe Sagman, to be your lawful wedded wife, to love and respect her, to honor and cherish her, in health and in sickness, in prosperity and adversity, and leaving all others, keeping yourself only unto her, so long as you both shall live. Miss Phoebe Sagman, do you, in like manner, solemnly agree to receive this man, Mr. Jeffrey Mark Adams, as your lawful wedded husband, to love and respect him, to live with him in all faith and tenderness, in health and in sickness, in prosperity and in adversity, leading all others, keeping yourself only unto him, so long as you both shall live. You have rings to symbolize your union. Ring is a precious thing made of precious metal symbolizing the preciousness of marriage. When you see this ring on your hand, on your bride's hand, may you never forget this day. Place this on your bride's hand and repeat after me. This ring I give to you in token and pledge of our constant faith and abiding love. A ring is a circle. A circle is a line that never ends, symbolizing the eternal nature of God's love. A circle is also a symbol of a covenant. When God made the covenant with Noah to never again destroy the entire earth with water, he gave the sign of a rainbow, which is a circle. If you can see a rainbow in its entirety, it's a beautiful thing to behold. The covenant of forgiveness is a circle that never ends. For he's promised to remove our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. It never stops. When you see this ring on your hand and on his hand, may you remember that this is a covenant for life. Place this on your 
groom's left hand. This ring I give to you in token and pledge of our constant faith and abiding love. pray. Lord, I pray for this man and this woman, this bride and this groom, this husband and this wife. Lord, we pray that in their oneness they would be an example for others to enjoy the love that you have for your church. Bless their home. Bless their fruitfulness. Bless their finances. Bless their relationships. And bless their extended families. Through this union, in Jesus' name, amen. May God grant you wisdom, power, and provision, and steps that always bear fruit. Free from division, may He give you peace, and may God's will be your constant pursuit. May the Lord be your guide as you always decide to follow His plans for your lives. And may none cut asunder those God joins together. His purpose for husbands and wives. May your house be a haven, a picture of heaven where praise is a true way of life. And may your home fill with laughter, both now and hereafter. And may hurt never turn into strife. Of the authority invested in me from this local church, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the state of Texas, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss your wife. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you something that's never been before. Mr. and Mrs. Jeffrey, Mark, and Phoebe Adams. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may His love find its destination in you, to you, for you, and through you to others. Beginning at home and reaching out to the world for the glory of God in Jesus name amen I have a question for you are you hungry God bless you